Hi, everybody. Welcome to this Demand 2023 session on the anatomy of a demand generating website. I'm Phil Vallander, and I'm the co-founder of Blend. Blend is an agency that helps B2Bs step change their website conversion rate and align their marketing to the demand generation of demand and the production of pipeline. I'm really thrilled to be here today to share with you my top tactical takeaway tips that you can apply to your website now to improve its demand generation performance. So thank you for joining me, and I hope you get something really valuable and useful out of this session. My background is in engineering, and when it comes to marketing strategies and tactics, I always prefer things that produce reliable, predictable, and repeatable results. And all of the recommendations I'm sharing with you today have been tried and tested in the work that we do for ourselves and for dozens of clients, and have contributed to the kinds of results shown here significant increases in website sessions, high intent leads, demo requests, and more. All of these results visible in case studies on our website. And in the majority of cases, my recommendations are consistent with leading UX research, the opinions of trusted experts you already know, and the success stories of other businesses that we haven't worked with directly. So I feel very confident sharing them with you today. What I find interesting though, is how in demand generation discussions, websites don't get a whole lot of attention, but no matter how you define demand and go about generating it, it has to be captured. And your website is the single most important and powerful tool you have for capturing demand. This is especially true if you're moving your demand generation approach from one focused on top of the funnel lead generation to one more focused on high intent leads and pipeline. In fact, I might say that the conversion rate from website visitor to high intent lead is the single most important metric in all of your marketing. Since improving it by even a modest amount can have a pronounced impact on pipeline, sales velocity, customer acquisition cost, churn, and more. Since more of your sales effort can be spent and focused on talking to the best fit, highest intent leads that go on to become successful customers. And many businesses have a big opportunity to do just that. And I'm not talking about by making incremental gains through A-B testing and the like, although that can come later. I'm talking about making big gains by adopting buyer and human-centric fundamentals that support and align to the journey that modern buyers want to take. But marketers and stakeholders can, it seems, forget who their website is for. They forget it's a tool to be used by buyers at all stages of awareness and familiarity to make self-researched, self-directed decisions of purchase. They forget that they are not the place for personal preferences or subjective biases to dictate design and content choices. As a result, their websites frequently overlook relatively simple, universal UX and buyer psychology truths that when adopted, consistently improve results. And these are the things that I'm gonna share with you today. So what is the anatomy of a demand generating website? An effective demand generating website has three layers. The platform and CMS on which your website is built are like the bones or skeleton holding up your website. The site structure, user experience and customer journey are like the muscles that give your website its shape. And messaging, design, and content are all part of the outer skin that visitors see. Each layer impacts demand generation performance in its own way. And I've grouped my top tips for improvement and optimization 
into these three areas. Let's go through each. Starting with platform and CMS, the skeleton of your demand generating website. Platform and CMS matter because they determine how well your website meets the requirements for performance and editability. Performance is of course key because availability, reliability, security, and speed are all prerequisites for an effective demand generating website, contributing to search engine rankings, buyer trust, engagement, and more. Editability is vital too, because a website is a living thing. It's never done and it will always need updating and evolving. Too many marketers are still constrained by websites that do not give them this control. Do not allow them to add and edit content when they need to. However, while things like content design and the user experience of a website are unique to every business, these platform requirements are not. They are, for the most part, identical. There's no competitive advantage or differentiation anymore in configuring and maintaining your own web platform. There is only competitive disadvantage if you do it badly. Therefore, my top tip and recommendation here is that you do not invest your own resources and time in this area. Since even if you're successful at building a suitable platform for your website, you will have built exactly the same thing as all of your competitors, and you bear the responsibility for maintaining it and securing it going forward. So if you're still using WordPress or any similar CMS, which leaves you responsible for its availability, reliability, or security, I urge you to reconsider. WordPress is an amazing CMS in certain situations, but there are better options for B2B demand generation out there that combine the platform and software you require in a CMS as a service. And I recommend you select one of them now. Taking this approach allows you to focus your valuable time, energy, and budget in the layers of your website that can differentiate you from your competition and do create competitive advantage for you. Things like the UX, messaging, design, content, etc. We'll move on to those next. Your website needs an effective layer of muscles to give it shape and power on top of a strong, suitable platform. These come in the form of your information architecture, user experience, and the customer journey that you build. All of these things can add or remove friction from the process of your buyer discovering, navigating, engaging, and converting on your website. Remove friction successfully and you will increase the number of visitors that arrive and go on to make high intent inquiries. It's possible to remove too much friction though and you can start to have the opposite effect, reducing conversion or increasing the quantity at the expense of quality. And we'll look at what might cause that in a moment. But first, how can you optimize this layer of your website for demand generation? First, the architecture of your website should be devised in line with your commercial keyword strategy. If you do not have product or service pages targeted at and optimized for the terms that your buyers use when they search for solutions like yours, you're making it unnecessarily hard to be found when they do and harder than it should be to capture demand for your category. For keywords that have attractive volume but are informational, the next layer down, pillar pages are an effective content format. And for the myriad of long tail queries that buyers put into search all the way along the path to purchase, blog posts or articles clustered around those informational pillars are 
for now, still the best way to target them. That's notwithstanding the potential impact of AI on this area of SEO, though. Crucially, when you create and organize your website content like this, internal linking can significantly improve your search engine ranking positions for those attractive commercial and informational keywords and bring in more buyers with high levels of intent. When it comes to internal linking though, there are two mistakes that I see made over and over again, and they are not creating exact match links between blog posts and pillar pages and not treating commercial website pages as pillar pages in their own right, optimized for commercial keywords and deserving targets of those exact match internal links from within your other content. If you go through your content and apply this approach to your internal linking, you will rank more highly for attractive keywords, you will attract more visitors, and you will generate more high intent leads. Quick tip, there's a simple way to fix this issue, uh, if you have it, which is to go to Google, do what's called a site search, where you enter site and a colon, and then put in the URL ideally of your blog, and one of the key commercial or informational keywords that you want to be found by buyers for. And you'll get back all of the articles that mention or feature that keyword. See how many, if any, are exact match linked to the page that's optimized for that keyword and put those links in place if they're not there already. The impact from this simple step can be immediate and significant. So it's highly recommended. Okay. So once buyers are on your website, thanks to your content, structure and SEO, navigation should be device appropriate and intuitive. While burger menus are a necessary compromise to the constraints of a mobile display, they should not be used on desktop, and yet they often are. On desktop, a burger menu is pure form over function and style over substance, simultaneously hiding key content from visitors, hampering discoverability, and adding time to every task. Whereas horizontal navigation, for which there is plenty of space, has none of these drawbacks and performs better in every way. Furthermore, on any device, navigation should be familiar and intuitive. Buyers do not want to spend additional time figuring out how to interact with your website. All they're looking for is answers to their questions. So unconventional approaches like vertical navigation, sideways scrolling or scroll jacking are most likely doing more harm than good. At the other end of the navigation spectrum, we have mega menus. Mega menus can be good or bad for the user experience, but often they are bad. Too often mega menus become so dense with links that they induce choice paralysis, overwhelming the visitor with so many options that they don't choose anything at all. In this situation, the best case is that they make do with the content and links on the page they're on. The worst case is they promptly leave to find an easier experience elsewhere. The solution is to make critical, sometimes hard decisions about what to show your visitor and what not to. By making these decisions on behalf of your visitor, you can turn your mega menu back into a useful aid that helps visitors find key content more easily and encourages them to make that high intent inquiry. Design of your mega menu is also important as they need to be easy to read at a glance and it can be beneficial to use the available space to include limited supporting information to give additional context to the key links within. 
While we're on the topic of navigation, on mobile, try putting, if you can, your main conversion call to action, that demo or trial button, outside the burger menu where it's permanently visible, as this can positively impact the high intent conversion rate on mobile sessions that can otherwise be quite low in B2B. Typically, these call to actions are hidden away in the burger menu, often at the bottom and sometimes even off the screen, meaning buyers are rarely going to see them and interact with them unless they're really looking for them in the first place. Conversion offers, the promise they make and their placement form a very important part of the customer journey toward your pipeline. So while they partly fall under the category of messaging, the full discussion of them belongs here in UX. We found that two key factors drive performance of conversion offers on B2B websites, specificity and authenticity. In many situations, buyers have shown that they respond better to specific conversion offers that clearly communicate both the structure of the engagement and the mutual benefit. Not only does a specific conversion usually increase conversions, there is an order to how attractive common conversions offers are relative to one another, as shown here. A free trial will, in most cases, be more attractive than a demo, and a demo more attractive than a consultation or a call. However, a sales call can be more attractive and effective at generating high intent inquiries than a vague and open-ended contact us proposition. So although you should look at your close rate from each type of conversion offer into revenue, moving your conversion offer up the order of attractiveness will usually correlate with an increase in clicks and conversions. The big thing to bear in mind here, however, is that buyers hate it when the conversion offer is not what we say it is, and it happens a lot. If a call with sales or a demo is what you have to offer, call it just that. Do not fall into the trap of dressing it up as something more attractive. If the button in your navigation says, try it now, and the page that the visitor lands on when they click it says, book a call with our experts or something similar, it feels like bait and switch, pure and simple, and it will reduce the quantity and the quality of the conversions on your website. Contact us pages, which we touched on briefly, usually perform poorly as a source of high intent inquiries, so much so that we think they're candidates for leaving out altogether. But if you must have a contact form on your website, consider putting it in the footer instead. This is a much better use of valuable real estate than the common subscribe to our blog form. And let's be honest, buyers are not subscribing to your blog that way. And on more than one occasion, including our own website, we've seen this uh, approach improve both the quality and the quantity of otherwise pretty weak contact us submissions. We suspect it's due to the form being one less click away and benefiting from the context of the specific page the visitor is on, lending the conversion some of that much needed structure. Similarly to contact us pages, we've seen that a range of other solutions for increasing conversions by reducing friction, such as chatbots and book a meeting embeds, perhaps go too far and just as easily reduce lead quality, producing leads with lower intent, even if they increase quantity, meaning more of your valuable resource is spent having conversations with uh, poor fit leads that just aren't going to go anywhere. By all means, test these methods, but be prepared for unpredictable results. 
And ultimately, we believe these things are best suited to lead generation strategies rather than pipeline focused ones. The visible surface of your website, the skin in our anatomy analogy, is where messaging, page design and content all make their mark. And there are, of course, ways that you can optimize these for demand generation. Here's a couple of the biggest impact things you can do. Messaging in particular is where so many businesses get it wrong, get tripped up and have a big opportunity in front of them as a result. When it comes to homepage copy especially, but also to all subsequent headings and copy, clear beats clever 100% of the time. I can't stress it enough. If you don't convey quickly and clearly what your offering is, who it is for, and what problem you solve, you're likely to lose the attention and interest of potential customers, leading to missed opportunities for engagement and conversions. You need to write a clear and crisp hero statement that communicates your value proposition effectively. Chances are that any value prop that does this will also include an attractive commercial keyword and it will help you rank for it organically. While we're on the subject of heroes, ditch the sliders and rotating text. They may feel like smart ways to convey more information in the same amount of space, but unfortunately they do the opposite and worse. Research has conclusively shown that movement in sliders distracts the human brain so completely that we stop reading and we start watching the movement instead. Not only does the second or third message not go over well, the first one doesn't either, meaning your entire value proposition is compromised. And to add insult to injury, sliders will typically negatively impact user experience and SEO by cramming in multiple H1s to confuse Google and adding unnecessary code that slows down page speed and, and page loading. So there are at least three reasons not to use sliders on your website. What should you do instead? It's simple. Craft a strong message that captures your value proposition and present it statically. When it comes to page layout, the best practice varies with the page purpose. The one rule that applies universally though is that restraint improves performance. Focusing attention on the content that matters and using typography, design and animation to support consumption of it will produce the best results. Take blog posts, for example. The tired trope that you should surround each blog article with a myriad of navigation devices, calls to action, ways to share and ways to subscribe is way wide of the mark. Buyers are not visiting your blog with the intention or of or desire to interact with any of those things. They're there to quickly find out if your post really contains the insight the search results said it would, and then to leave back to their search engine to find something else. No clicking on topics, authors, archives, social sharing buttons, or subscribe. Remove all the fluff and noise and focus the reader attention on the content. This will allow that content to have the greatest impact on your visitor, produce the, the most positive impression it can on their, uh, on their view of your brand. Uh, and it also allows your text CTAs midway through the copy and banner CTAs at the end of the piece to perform to their full potential. Note worth mentioning, banner CTAs midway through blog text don't work as banner blindness is still in effect as users try to understand and consume the content. They start to work again at the end of the piece. 
Don't let the line length go full width though. 75 characters is still about the maximum that humans can read without losing their place or becoming fatigued. When it comes to those pillar pages, I advocate for treating them more like blog posts than like website pages. It can be tempting to heavily design pillar pages and overcomplicate them, but in many cases, this just gets in the way of you creating them frequently enough for your goals. Website pages that communicate your commercial offering naturally need to be very different though, and the ratio of images to text will be much higher. However, restraint performs best here too. Overly complicated illustrations or animation is counterproductive and it distracts from consumption of the key copy. Also recall, readers skim the content rather than read it word for word. So allow yourself the use of snappier copy and larger typography to facilitate this buyer behavior. When it comes to your all important homepage specifically, the key things to make sure you include are the clear and crisp value proposition that we've already discussed. In addition, you need content that differentiates your offering either from other solutions or simply from the status quo. Give people reasons to choose you compared to other options. Proof points in the form of results achieved, testimonials, reviews, and customer logos are excellent forms of social proof and are much needed too. And a clear commercial call to action, the one you really want buyers to take, should be easily accessible throughout. If there's any doubt about how your solution does the thing that it says it does, try to dismiss this here with either imagery or copy, because leaving that doubt lingering will decrease conversions uh, and the number of buyers entering your pipeline. So there we have it. A range of a dozen or so relatively simple ways that you can optimize the layers of your website's anatomy for demand generation success. Do some or all of these things and you'll be making your website into a better place for buyers to make self-researched, self-directed decisions, resulting in more, better fit, higher intent leads entering your pipeline. Thank you for watching. If you have any questions about what I've talked about today, or if you implement any of my recommendations and you see the impact, please get in touch via LinkedIn or my email. I'd love to hear about your experience. Thank you and goodbye for now.